This is Faith. And this is Addie. And you're listening to Mama Bear Connects. Hey, Addie. Hi, Mom. How are you? I'm wonderful. Good. So we are going to be talking about uh, teen addiction, and we have a special guest with us. His name is Wendell, and he is with the Reboot Centers. So hello, Wendell. Thank you for coming. Hey, I'm glad to be here. So excited. Um, This is obviously not a super fun topic, but it's one that we feel like is important to get out there and um, share with parents and children so that people can be aware of all of the things that are being done around our area, around the nation, um, and different slang words that you guys may or may not know of. Uh, I know Addie and I just learned of some that we had no idea what they were. So we're really looking forward to sharing this amazing knowledge with you and having Wendell here to help us out with that. Yeah, absolutely. Great. So we have a couple of um, quotes, well, a quote that I found last night. And it says, addiction, I can choose to let it define me, confine me, refine me, outshine me, or I can choose to move on and leave it behind me. And that was on emilysquotes.com. So with addiction, it's so important that people talk about this, that it's it's not just drugs. It's not just alcohol. alcohol it's not just substance. There's so many things out there that, uh, that are addictive. And so we want to cover as many as we can and... Get the word out there to everybody. I'm trying to think of words. Um, so I have a few questions for Wendell that we're going to kind of go through. And the first one that I wanted to ask is, what is the most used drugs in our area and how common is usage now? <laughs> um So the, if we were to be real pointed on just overall substances, the most common used drugs still number one is alcohol uh is one of the most common ones then right behind that is going to be uh is going to be vaping uh and vaping and dabbing to you know two completely different things to different substances so those are nicotine and then concentrated thc mm-hmm. um so those are those are the most common that we're seeing right now as far as drugs drugs and then you step over into prescription drugs and other things right after that uh the crazy amount of abuse of, uh, things coming out of typically mom and dad's medicine cabinet. Mm -hmm. So, but there's a big part leading up to all that. And that's what I, let me cover a couple of things. So first off understanding until about, Oh, basically 20 years ago, teenagers or the adolescent brain was thought to be just a, uh, a, not a fully functional adult brain. So it's just learning how to use it the right way, use it all the way. Yeah. That is not the case at all. It's been a major study in the last 14 years, well, 15 years now, um, understanding the adolescent brain. There's an enormous difference between an adult brain and an adolescent brain. So when we develop, we start from the back of the brain and then progresses forward. And the last thing to develop in the human brain is the frontal lobe and prefrontal cortex. Mm -hmm. Those are the decision-making parts of the brain. Now, that's why the, the, all the functioning parts of the brain of just, uh, you know, everything from 
how your body works to control doing sports, movement, memory, all these things, those all are developed very well. And it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like having a really fast sports car that doesn't have a steering wheel on it yet. That's good. So that's really what's (laughs) happening. And so the teenagers go hit the gas and it's like, let's cruise. But the, what ends up happening is we don't have the ability to steer it yet because that the driver, as they would say, is not in, in the seat. Okay. There's no steering wheel. So therefore the prefrontal lobe and uh, the frontal lobe and prefrontal cortex handle logic reasoning. Those are the areas that do tons with math and with, with, with linear thinking. And that also then goes into deductive thinking and, and long-term planning and how does this affect me long-term and you know what's funny is we put so much pressure on our teenagers to determine the rest of their life during the worst possible developmental part of their life it's so hard and that's why i'm like you know with my kids it's now after understanding this and being tutored by neuroscientists and neuropsychologists that we work with directly it's this understanding that you know what Uh, let's not have you make a decision on your career till about 25 Yeah, because girls don't finish developing their, their brain all the way till 26 on average and boys until 28. That's crazy. So the understanding that going in to the topic of teenage drug use and Mm -hmm. teenage substance use and the other things associated with it, understand this, are their ability to say no is really hard. As a matter of fact, there's a part of your brain as an adult that understands, comprehends, no, and actually releases a chemical around it, that part of the brain doesn't really exist in teenagers yet. So understanding the word no and negative messages don't work well for teenagers. Hmm. So one of the examples of that is when they ran uh, big anti-smoking campaigns, you know, back in the Mm eighties and nineties, it was like, don't smoke, stay away from smoke. You're going to die. The Marlboro man sitting on his horse, you know, the person with the hole in their throat. You remember, you know, those, (laughs) I totally remember. And you're like, don't do this. Well, the, the problem is the teenage brain hears do this. Yes. You say, don't do this. And it baffles me that it actually works that way, but it does. So the most effective campaigns they had against smoking was when they went out and talked about how the uh, tobacco companies were trying to, own them for the rest of their lives. Huh. And they talked about how, you know, you we're going to, they're going to take this much money from you. If you get on a pack a week habit, this is how much you're going to pay them over your lifespan. But, you know, two packs a week, three packs a week, a pack a day habit. Uh-huh. This is how much you're going to pay them over your life. So guess what? They want to own you. Yeah. So the most effective campaigns they had were on, on based on rebelling against something. You've never heard of a teenager rebelling, have you? Oh, never. <laughs> never, ever. So mm-hmm. teenage, and we are programmed to rebel. Yeah. So all the teenagers that are listening, just realize you feeling like you want to rebel against mom and dad, understand that's okay. Mm-hmm. That you feel that way. Now, when you act on it, that's different. Yes. But that you feel that way, that's part of becoming independent. Yes. That is that. Whatever you believe in God, the universe, evolution, whatever, that is your part of saying, I am ready to grow up and move out of the nest. That's that. So as long as we embrace that and go, I'm feeling this because I'm becoming independent, but I'm going to choose now. You do have some, we do. Teenagers do have some access to their frontal lobe and prefrontal cortex. So they can go, I choose now to be respectful to my parents because X, Y, Z. Yeah. Right. I was, I was looking at, you know, 
the big 10 commandments, right? It was funny that a lot of comedians joke about this, right? The uh, uh, honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the earth. I think that was because in the olden days, they used to kill their kids when they got out of line. <laughs> I, we tell our kids all the time, you know what? Mm, you, when we get mad, I'm like, you are the reason that some animals eat their young. <laughs> That's intense. <laughs> but anyway, so just to give that, um, that preemption to why, when we talk about why are teenagers in particular so prone to experimenting and in particular addiction. So the teenage brain is wired to actually learn five times faster during teenage years than any other time in life. Oh, wow. But it's a double-edged sword. It is also, because of that adaptive, quick learning, it's also five times more likely to become addicted to different stimuli and substances. So that's why we have to be really careful during the teenage years, what are we putting in? Mm -hmm. So let's let's talk through, through number one, the biggest, most problematic epidemic portion of abuse in the teenage realm in the United States. Well, it's actually worldwide, but mostly United States. Um, and this is a number from the CDC, the center for disease control. Mm -hmm. Um, their last update was 2000 and, uh, 2018 in that report from SAMHSA.gov. If you want to look it up, but, uh, it was 67% of all teenagers ages 14 to 17 in particular, get less than six and a half hours of sleep per night. Wow. So we've all heard, hey, sleep is really good because that's when we grow. Uh, that's when we, you know, rest and things like that. There's all, if you want to ever look up what are the side effects of lack of sleep, by all means do. Things like irritability, uh, poor digestion, uh, inability to pay attention, um, uh, all the way up to psychosis. Mm. Okay. Yeah. In the military, they push during basic and special forces training. They push for, you know, 72 hours uh, in, uh, of uh, hard work with no sleep. Right. And they have people that have psychotic breaks. Yeah. They're under extreme duress. So uh, just realize that that sleep is, is our number one thing I want to talk about because it leads, it is the domino. When you tip this one, it opens up all kinds of doors for abuse to many things. Yeah. So first off, uh, according to the government websites and multiple different studies by universities around the world, teenagers, uh, ages 14 to 17 in particular, uh, need nine hours and 15 minutes of sleep per night. Wow. So analyze your schedule a little bit and look, okay, how much did I sleep last night? How much mm. did you sleep last night, Addie? Like three hours. <laughs> It's because there was a big thunderstorm yeah. and I couldn't fall asleep. Yeah. It was crazy. It was, it was, it got massive, pretty loud. Massive thunderclaps. Usually I think every night, like regularly, I get probably seven hours of sleep. Maybe. Maybe. If that, yeah. She was sleepwalking for a while. We just recently realized. Um, so I think that the, like you said, like the snowball effect where she was, not in a good sleep. And so it was making her sleepwalk more and more because her brain wasn't getting rested. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's yeah. so interesting. <laughs> so to understand the brain and why it needs it is when you're from basically until about one year old, a little more than that, your brain develops trillions of neurons. 
And so all throughout the gray, you have two parts of your brain. You have the gray matter and you have the white matter. Mm-hmm. Okay. The gray matter is all this storage area. And the white matter is basically the electrical cables, like from your DVD player to your TV. Mm-hmm. Okay. The white matter carries the information. So when you're a little infant, you develop trillions of connections that go everywhere. It's literally like a, a tree growing out of control. There's the branches are everywhere. Yeah. It's because it's ready to make any connection that you start to do. When they start to do, they start to look and their eyes develop these connections and that refines the white matter in the visual cortex mm-hmm. of the brain. And then they, uh, you know, they start to move their hand like this. Oh, it starts to solidify a connection and then crawling and then walking all these. What happens is they develop something, uh, a movement or a behavior. And then from there they end up uh, solidifying that white uh, matter, that neural pathway. Mm-hmm. And when they sleep, the stuff they don't need, gets reabsorbed. It's called pruning. Hmm. Well, there's no more pruning that happens than during the part of life when you are uh, five t- learning five times faster than any other time in your life as a teenager, True. which means you have to sleep. Hmm. Okay. So your most restorative sleep is your non-REM sleep. That's when everything shuts down. You're not, you're not moving at all. You're not dreaming at all. You're just out. Okay. And that's that restorative sleep when the brain now prunes away the unnecessary neurons. So it's, let's say you did a math lesson for that day. And you love math, right, man? Oh, I love it. <laughs> All right, so Addie loves math. So so we, she takes a math lesson for the day, does her homework, and then goes to sleep. And she just learned uh, logarithms or something like that. That's, what does that even mean? Okay, algebra. Algebra. We'll <laughs> algebra. <go to laughs> Pythagorean theorem. She learned Pythagorean <laughs> theorem. Okay, Pythagorean theorem. And so she then takes that during the night when she sleeps, she solidifies a, a, a more solid neural pathway in that essence of math and the other stuff that she didn't need. It's like going out to your tree in front of your house and cutting off the extra branches you don't need because you want just that one that's going to produce the most fruit. Mm-hmm. And so you're, that's what your brain does during the night. Well, so I still do math while I'm sleeping? No, but the thing you exercise that day in your brain oh. thickens up and myelinates. That white part is actually a fatty coating that goes over the nerve to insulate it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's what the white matter is. It's actually deposits of fat that insulate that wire that's going to a section of your brain. So like when we were practicing the countries and you did it right before bed, you learned <gasps> that story right before you went to sleep helped solidify that story. That's exactly right. So does studying before you go to bed, is it more effective? Do you think? Yes, it is. Hmm. So as a matter of fact, oh. the number the, the experts in that area say study during the day, do a review right before you sleep, right before you go to sleep, then go to sleep, get a restful sleep. And the studies that they've done show that a minimum of eight hours of sleep and then testing, particularly somewhere around 10 o'clock in the morning, yields the highest test scores. Wow. So that's, that's uh, really important to understand because... If you're studying, make the most of it. You got to do the work, study, review, sleep, don't review in the morning and go take the test. Hmm. Okay. Because what, cool. what you've done is your part of your brain called your hippocampus mm-hmm. that converts, that's your short term memory part of your brain. When you sleep, you convert from the hippocampus, you convert that to what's called LTP or long-term potentiation. So therefore you take short term and turn it into long-term memory. Oh, wow. Okay. 
So that's a very helpful part to understand. But on the sleep part, we're robbing ourselves. So mm-hmm. uh, one last study that they did for te- at University of Utah Sleep Center was that teenagers optimally actually need 10 hours and 15 minutes wow. uh, to have full restorative sleep uh, to uh, prune those neural pathways, uh, to solidify the white matter in there, to rebuild the ATP, okay, the, the fuel cells of the cells in the brain so it works right, yeah. and rebalance all the all the nutrients in the brain that are pumped through the cerebral spinal fluid. Wow. So, yeah, you know, but if you're going eight to 10 hours, you're probably pretty safe. If you're going under eight as a teenager, you need to revisit your, your habits and probably change them. But there's a problem with that. Uh-oh. It's called circadian rhythm. <laughs> okay. Circadian rhythm. Have you heard about it? Yep. Okay. What do, what do you know about circadian rhythm? It's the, like your sleep cycles, right? Uh-huh. So for me, I like, I've narrowed mine down to an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. So, if I take a nap, it has to be at least an hour and a half or else I feel horrible. So, and if it's more than an hour and a half, again, I feel awful. So an hour and a half is like my good range of sleep. So if I'm understanding it correctly, it's like your different cycles that your body or your brain goes in with the sleep cycles. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. It's how that melatonin steps in to create sleep. So in teenagers, in adults, we start to produce it around 8 to 9 o'clock at night. We'll start to produce melatonin. We'll go to sleep, you know, anywhere from, uh, you know, hour and a half to two hours to maybe three hours after the melatonin starts to produce because mm-hmm. we're just tired. Yeah. Then we'll want to go to, we'll go to sleep. And when we wake up 6, 7 o'clock in the morning, whenever we get up, there is no melatonin left in our system. Mm-hmm. It's gone. Oh, yes. I know about this. Okay. Keep Teenagers, though, <laughs> they do not start the production of melatonin until 9 or 10 o'clock. So they say that babies and adults are, are uh, morning doves and teenagers are night owls. Hmm. And it's really because that rhythm, uh, that what's happening with their body cycles, it's just not producing it when it needs to. Now you can artificially stimulate that with different foods. You can take melatonin supplements, but that doesn't change the biology that is in the teenager. So now I don't want any teenagers to go, this is an excuse now to (laughs) go stay up late and then sleep in every day. But there was uh, Dr. Francis Jensen uh, spoke with multiple uh, school districts in through the Midwest and got about a dozen of them to change their their school mm-hmm. cycle. So they, instead of starting at 745, they began to start at 830. Yes. Just that change reduced delinquency rates by 20%. Uh, it reduced, uh, it increased test scores by mm-hmm. over 20%. Yeah. Um, it was a huge change by that 45 minute shift. Mm-hmm. So because teenagers, they don't get, end up feeling tired till 10 or 11 o'clock at night, mm-hmm. maybe probably not even 11 or 12. And they'll finally get tired. I got to go to sleep. Then what happens when they wake up, they still have anywhere from 60 to 100% of that melatonin in their system. That's crazy. So what that means is their brain is tired. So mom and dad, if you listen to this, please understand that your teenager is not being defiant, not being grumpy, not being a brat. Just realize they have the full dose of melatonin you went to sleep with. It's still in their brain when they wake up. Wow. So it's they're fighting against biology to meet the schedules that we're giving them these days. That is 
crazy. If I could recommend one thing for all parents, it would be, hey, how about your child starts in second period and no longer has first period school and yeah. sleeps in until 8 or 8.30? I wish. <laughs> I you know, it's not that hard, honestly, because you could replace that first period mm -hmm. with, uh, you know, school packets. You can yeah. replace it with online school. I'm going to take a quick break and then we will be right back. But online school brings me to biggest problem number two mm -hmm. for teenagers, which is blue light. Yes. Okay. So if you, there's blue light is a wavelength of light that comes from our backlit screens. So TV screens, computer screens, telephone screens. And we know that that the studies that have been done, there've been hundreds in the last 10 years in particular mm -hmm. showing what are the long, trying to guess at really what are the long-term effects of blue light? They know short-term number one, Polytechnic Institute in Roth, New York did a study 2011. They released it. It showed regardless of age, uh, two hours anytime during the day of backlit blue light screen exposure. Okay. So TVs, computers, video games, uh, phones, all of that, two hours reduced melatonin production by 22%. Wow. Adults, children, everybody. So what that means is you are one fifth of robbed of your sleep by looking at a blue light. That's crazy. So, Understand that if you're having difficulty sleeping, one of your problems is probably your blue light exposure. So first thing, by all means, go to Amazon, go to Best Buy, go to any of these stores, 10, 15 bucks, you can pick up a pair of blue light glasses mm -hmm. and protect your brain. Because the other part is they are, they showed that there is uh, blood flow shuts off in the frontal lobe of the brain, the reasoning center of the brain in adults and children. Uh, and these little babies that are running around with tablets and phones and everything like that, it shuts off the blood flow to the frontal lobe of the brain. So their ability to reason and be cognitive of their decisions goes way down. That's crazy. So what else goes way down? We know. So Addie, tell me when you don't get enough sleep, tell me how you feel. Um, wacky. Okay. <laughs> Very tired. Um, I is it easy when Rylan comes and teases you when you're short on sleep? No. <laughs> I get so mean. She does. And yeah. Rylan, too. Like, he's very scary. Yeah. Yeah. So that lack of sleep is the same thing we get from blue light exposure and lack of blood flow to the front of the, lobe of the brain. The blood flow goes other places like the amygdala. The fear, fight, flight part of the brain. So we're grumpy. We're irritable. We're easily frustrated. And some of these symptoms can show up as behavioral problems, can show up as ADD, ADHD. Hmm. Um, so we have to understand that a lot of what we're telling the world is this is a behavioral problem, behavioral problem. No, it's a physical problem. This is where we separated ourselves from any other program in the world mm -hmm. uh, in drug treatment is we focus on the body. 80% of addiction is physical. Yes. It has to do with the body and the brain being broken. Mm -hmm. It is not behavioral. That's only 20% of the equation. Yeah. So understanding that blue light is going to do damage to your brain, protect your brain because it's going to rob you of life. Mm -hmm. So then we step into, uh, after blue light, one of the biggest epidemics in our country right now is pornography as well. Yep. 
So when that computer screen goes on, the TV screen goes on, the phone screen goes on with pornography, mm-hmm. what what shuts off once again? The amygdala. No. No, that the, was where it goes. The frontal lobe. The frontal, frontal lobe, lobe of yeah. the brain. The yeah. reasoning center. <laughs> the thing that says, you know, I love my girlfriend. I love my spouse. I love my... and But looking at this shuts that off. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I don't reason through Interesting. what's going on. Yeah. And I'm... Got a lot of blood flow to my amygdala, though. So pleasure, baby. Yeah. That's what that all goes to. <laughs> but then what does that lead to? More addiction. More addiction in that piece of, hey, I don't I don't treat girls the right way. Mm-hmm. I see them as a different thing or vice versa, girls seeing boys. I didn't know this, but apparently now uh, it, basically one in six girls is addicted to pornography. That's crazy. Yeah. And I was like, one in three boys. Is addicted to pornography. Holy crap. That outweighs alcohol. That outweighs uh, everything else. But so pornography changes the ability to have relationships. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people get into some really interesting pornography and it changes their identity of themselves. Right. And they start to think maybe they're not necessarily one way or another. And it changes how they think about themselves. So, you need to be really cognizant about that. And, you know, moms and dads that are listening, have the conversation with your kids, because once again, it is a physical thing. Yes. It's behavioral in the beginning, but it becomes addiction because what happens every night when you go to sleep as a teenager, your brain rebuilds and prunes, it prunes off the unnecessary neurons. It builds a super highway wire right to the, whatever area of the brain you're stimulating the most. So if you're stimulating the amygdala and the nucleus accumbens, those addiction areas of the brain, then you're going to hardwire everything in the brain to pleasure response and avoidance of pain, which the teenage brain is already wired hard, hard mostly to anyway. Yeah. So, but then if we continue to wire pre- pleasure response and we don't work that frontal lobe of the brain uh, and we damage it by blue light and then we don't sleep enough. So we're just trying to do anything we can do to function because our brain's not got nutrients and everything else, we're doing some major, major damage. Wow. So those are three things that are really epidemic across our country more than anything. So once again, on this, the simple one on that is get enough sleep mm-hmm. and do, and number two, by the way, catching up on the weekend does not count. They did a study on that, <laughs> trying to sleep 12, 14, 16 hours on the weekend does not work. Um, and number two, get some blue light glasses, protect your brain. It's really simple. 10, 15 bucks. Just get used to using them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then number three, please avoid pornography at all costs. It will change your ability to have any good relationship now and in the future. Mm-hmm. And it will, it can be, it can lead to some really, really destructive, horrible things. We have a lot of rapes going on all over because now the pornography is not enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? And that. You know, Addie and I always talk about communication and I completely 100% believe if you communicate about it, your kids know they can come talk to you about it rather than hiding it, thinking that not talking about it's going to make it so they're not curious because that's not how it happens. Um, So parents and children, um, make sure that you're communicating with your Parents and children. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the average age for being exposed to pornography now is nine. Yeah, I was going to say eight or nine, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. It's not like in my day 
you know, it, 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 in my day, it was, you had to get a magazine to yeah. have anything like that. Yeah. You know? And that was like near impossible. Yeah. And so. Not anymore. Not anymore. Mm -hmm. Now it's one click of a button. And by the way, if you think you have firewalls on your computer, mom and dad, <laughs> just go uh, take like Disney and add an extra Y. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, take any of these real popular kids sites and accidentally, uh, you know, add an extra letter one way or the other. Or do .co instead of .com or other things. Mm -hmm. And they they have, they literally bypass all firewalls and take them right into pornographic sites. What? Yeah. That is so scary. And little kids. Little kids are seeing it. Yeah. Oh, no. That's actually, okay. That's really sad. That breaks my heart. So there are really evil people out there trying to, uh, uh, trying to damage kids. Wow. There's no doubt. Because then they have a customer for a long time. The sleep part, and once again, blue light damaging the ability to sleep. By the way, kids, the blue light has to do with your phone. Please don't keep your phone in your room. Nine o'clock comes, 10 o'clock comes. Put your phone to bed in the kitchen and you go to bed. So at 34% of teenagers that suffered, uh, suffered from sleep, uh, sleep deprivation, mm -hmm. their number one cause was friends texting them or notifications on their phone during the night. So interrupted sleep means, <laughs> I, I, I'll just, like I said, worst case scenario with all this interrupted sleep is psychosis. Okay, so just understand that uh, you, we have a lot of problems with suicide right now. Yep. What's happening during this during the suicidal phase? Most of the time, they are in a psychotic state. Their brain is not working correctly. It is a like I said, still. Uh, I I am not a I'm uh, <laughs> uh, most of the uh, psychiatrists and psychologists that I've talked to are not uh, my biggest fans. Because I once again point to the back to the fact that it is not behavioral, it is physiological. It's a body problem. So unfortunately, we had um, some audio stuff happen. So we will be uploading the video of our podcast that we recorded with Wendell. It will be on YouTube and then also the IGTV. So keep an eye out for that. We'll get that uploaded for uh, for everybody to view once we get all of that footage uploaded. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. There is about 20 more minutes left of this podcast that uh, got caught off. So we hope that you guys will take time to listen to the rest of it and have a super rest of your day.